This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast. My name is Kayla, and today I have a friend on here with me. Their name is Vanessa, and they are a mystic and artist. I'm really excited to have them on here because we're going to be diving into lots of amazing things, human design, Akashic records, and just really talking about magical energetic experiences. So Vanessa, welcome to the channel. I'm so Mm. excited to have you here, and I would love if you can share more about yourself with the audience. Thank you so much, Kayla. I'm really glad to be here um, speaking with you. And like you said, I'm a mystic and I'm an artist. I have my own uh, wellness business called A Wave of Light, where I center creatives, uh, visionaries, and highly sensitive people um, and assist them in embodying their wholeness, uh, just reactivating what already lives within who they are. And I do this through Akashic Record um, readings as well as intuitive human design readings. So I integrate human design with the Akashic Records. I find that like a lot of people have some um, anxiety around human design. There's a lot of jargon centered around it. And it's really beautiful for me to see how the Akashic Record keepers can rephrase things in a way that really speaks to the resonance of our soul and you're just like oh I get that it's so beautiful I really feel this gentleness coming from you when you talk about this and that just makes me so excited to dive in more so I would love it can you share a bit more about how you got into human design because I always love to hear people's story how they find it or how it finds them Yeah, I feel like I found it on a podcast, but the first reading that I bought was from Erin Claire Jones. She's like pretty big in the industry and she has this blueprint. I think she's still doing them till today. Um, And I remember Googling Manifesto Human Design and I was reading it and I was just so shocked. (laughs) I was honestly a little bit uncomfortable when I first read it because I was like oh my gosh I think a lot of manifestors read oh I have a repelling aura and they get kind of taken aback they already struggle with this I'm too much or I'm not enough or I ruffle people the wrong way so I was a little bit um skeptical about it when I first found it but and then I started to practice informing people and I was like oh my god my life's changing no more resistance people not acting wildly to me I just really struggled as most manifestors do to understand how our impact affects people like I was like why does anybody care I just want to do this thing Um, (laughs) so I started to inform people and then it like really changed my life. And the whole six, two thing didn't make sense to me for a while as well. Cause it was like, oh, life begins at 50 when you step off the roof. And I was like, no, that's awful. Like, I'm not, I do not sign up to this. Like, this is not cool. Um, 
And it took me time. I think really just like practicing my strategy and my authority made me feel more confident. But even just like having a splenic authority was kind of weird because I was like, I can't, what does that sound like? It's one of the subtlest types of intuition. Um, and I started to like trace back because most splenic authority people will understand, they'll be like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. And then I was like, oh my gosh, actually, I just, I do hear my spleen. I just don't listen. <laughs> so I started listening and I've been on the deconditioning journey for around like three years, four years now. And it's just completely changed my life. Like most people, it's given me permission to just be who I am. I'm loving this. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned with manifestors is you're not here to respond to things. You know what I mean? You're literally here to initiate. And so that takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of trust because I feel like majority of the population is all about, you know, asking for permission, like not rocking the boat, going with the flow, but you're literally here to go against the grain and initiate like an initiation, like start new things. Right. So I think that I just love it. Whenever I connect with manifester and they, I can tell that they're really starting to trust themselves. It's just like so refreshing. <laughs> Yeah, you have to, because like nothing will also happen. I think there's like a big inversion. We've all been conditioned to act like manifestors and we have to like unlearn that and manifestors just want to be generators and you can just like, why is nothing happening? But like, you've got to initiate. <laughs> yes, yes. I would love for you to share your experience of really, because like obviously with generators, projectors, reflectors, like, and manifesting generators, like we need to wait like wait for something, wait for an invitation, wait for a lunar cycle and so on. And so I feel like there's a lot of co-creating with the universe, right? And so with a manifester, it's like, I've really been told that it's just this, you feel extra connected to source. Like it's just, it comes straight mm -hmm. from source, these urges of like being given a gift of like, hey, you're here to go and initiate this. And it's like, whoa, like who am I to do this? You know what I mean? And so I'm curious. I would love to hear it because I've asked other other manifestors that I would love to hear your experience of tapping into the urges and then, you know, initiating them essentially and how that shows up for you. Yeah, I feel like for me, it's really been so much around trust. Um, and I have, I was a, I, I mean, I was a pretty stubborn child. And I would be told a lot like, oh, you can't do that. And like my whole thing was watch me, watch me. I'll be able to do what I want to do. Um, so I really had to lean in, especially, you know, as six lines, we go through this third line process of trial and error. So like the not self of the third line is shame. And I had to really work with um, how I was affecting other people when I was following my urges, maybe being like, too rash and like not informing but now that I have become more sensitive to um, my impact it feels really good when I get a, an urge I just it's so in the moment because of the spleen and I can't rationalize it I just know and I just go for it and then I release it um, and I'm like okay well I did it that's what I had to do <laughs> so yeah it feels pretty fluid I love that. And this is what I've really heard too. I did a human design reading yesterday with a splenic projector and it's mm. like, 
the amount of noise that can cloud the splenic authority or just the intuition is like so heavy. You know what I mean? And I think it's so interesting because a lot of people, when it comes to listening to their intuition, they think, oh, I need to do more, more journaling, more meditating, more this, more that. But actually you're meant to do less because you take away the things in the space that don't need to be there so that you can actually hear, receive, breathe, listen to your inner guidance, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel like I'm studying psychology and my um, understanding around somatic work has been the biggest game changer for my spleen because it's so related to sensation. Like "Mm, something tastes off. I smell that something's wrong. So like deepening my relationship with my body, which is why I'm so concerned with like embodiment and like ascension as a form of embodiment has been radical for me and being like oh my body's actually communicating with me all the time and how can I just tune in a little bit more to listen to what's already there yes oh my gosh I love this so I'm curious, can we talk a little bit about how you have an undefined G-Center? Because yes, I feel like- it like affects me so much. <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm like, okay, so your strategy is to initiate and form. But if you're in the shadow of like, who the fuck am I? Like, what am I doing? Then how do you initiate and form? You know what I mean? I feel like there's like layers to this, like the G-Center, because it is the magnetic monopole and it is about identity, lovability and direction. It's like, it does have a big influence. Like the environment that you're in really matters. The people that you're with matters, right? So I'm really curious if you can share how that impacts you as a manifester and initiating and informing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it is such a big part of who I am, that open G-Center, because like you said, it is the magnetic monopole. It's literally what guides us in our life. And I have really and I'm continuously on this journey of self-acceptance to just how much of a shapeshift I am also just as somebody who's like non-binary and letting myself be the expression of my multiplicity without needing to pin myself down I mean like I have to be this type of person for my entire experience because it's just not something I'm even capable of doing I've like written about how Um, There's just a myth of individualism and how we take on identities because the G-Center literally absorbs other people's identities. And I've compared that to like wearing a whole bunch of clothes and like costumes that just aren't me and how there's a central like a nakedness of vulnerability to who I am. Um, And that feels really good to accept as well. I have this really beautiful... I was like initiated into my uh, healing journey through an ancestral calling. And I have this beautiful relationship with the wind. So the Akashic records being my thing and that being like ether is just a bigger part of that picture. And I think about like how the wind is everywhere, um, but we can't see it. It's like this invisible force that's like animating life. And I really resonate um, as being like this initiate of the wind and letting the wind carry me and listening to to the wind and to like these ancient stories that we can hear through our breath that reach us no matter where we are in the world. So I feel like that is my experience with the G-Center and the receptivity to um, my identity. I love this so much. 
it's so interesting because the wind in general has been coming up a lot more for me lately. Like mm-hmm. just like I, so I moved last month into an apartment and we're in a corner suite and we're a little bit higher up and, and we're cl- pretty close to the ocean. So the wind, when it hits the building is like so loud. And then we have an old building. So it's like a crack the windows and like, it's like whistling through the apartment. And so this has mm-hmm. been going on for a couple of weeks and I'm like, I moved back to, I'm living in my hometown again. I'm living in a neighborhood that I've never lived in, but I'm like, is this a Victoria thing? Or is this like a, the last three weeks has been windy outside thing? Like, is this, you know what I mean? So I've been really curious about this, but it's so funny because I was looking up and I was having a conversation with some friends about what the symbolism of wind is, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I really love what you just said, how it's like, you, you can't see it, but you can hear it and you can feel it, which is so like intuitive. Like it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I was just, when you started like sharing this story, I was like, whoa, like I was so like mesmerizing, like just captivated by what you were saying. <laughs> oh, thanks you so much. And yeah, like the wind is such a beautiful teacher, every single element, right. We can learn from. And I just, it's amazing how subtle it can be and how you can hear the wind, like how too so yeah it is on this spectrum of expression um that's really beautiful yes oh my gosh can we talk a little bit more like we obviously chatted a bit before I hit record but just mm-hmm. having an undefined g-center and then you sharing that you're non-binary I think this is so beautiful and I really love it's like really deeply embodying the the fluidity of identity because quite literally like when I talk to people about having an undefined or open G center, I'm like, it's so normal for you to feel different in different environments, different people to question who you are. Like, that's just, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you can accept that fluidity, you're going to gain so much wisdom. Right. So I'm really curious. Like I, I would love for you to share about this. And one thing I love about human design is that it is non-binary. Like we're not asking if you're male or female, like it's like your mm-hmm. birth date, like it's all about energy. Right. So I would just really love if you can, if you can share more about that. Yeah, well, I've always um, understood that I was non-binary. I did not have the words for it. And as somebody who's a writer, I feel like I've been tossed to kind of break apart the vocabulary that's given to us at a young age and like reassemble words um, that can feel liberating to who I am. And I think what's so interesting about being non-binary is that even in that saying, um, that term, you're not describing who you are, you're saying who you're not. So there's this uh, relationship with mystery that's embodied so deeply just within um, how people choose to express themselves who may identify as non-binary. And I think for me, it's accepting the unknown within me um, and accepting that I can never truly know myself. And when I say that, I don't mean like the essence of who I am, but to surrender to the spectrum of expression that I may come into in this life, um, to play with what it means to be formless and how that can lead us into form. It feels like I'm in this, uh, almost like this void space. Um, Yeah, there's so much around it, but I'm really glad 
today, especially like for Gen Zers and stuff, that they have more language. I feel like trans and non-binary people, we've always been here. And yet um, people, we've been deliberately erased like through colonization. And it's like, there's this resilience within us to continue to emerge even when we're pushed to the outskirts of society and to extinction and to say I will revive myself I've always been here um so it feels really good to just let myself be who I am <laughs> especially as an open decenter person um that was also really affirming for me too um not feel constricted to this myth of individualism and this fixedness that regardless of your gender expression or even your sexuality can hinder you from really exploring your multiplicity, how um, multifaceted you actually are. Yes, this is so beautiful. I really, I really appreciate you opening up and being vulnerable about that because I think that it's important to continue like normalizing these conversations. And I love what you said about how, when you share that you're non-binary, like it, it is a statement of like, this is who I'm not rather than saying, this is who I am, because that ultimately does give you more freedom to be, you know, like if, if somebody were to say, like, if we just always use gendered pronouns, it's like she, he, it's like, okay, there's like automatic stereotypes. Right. But then if you say they, it's like, oh, like there's, there is this mystery to it mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so I, I really love that and it's like unbelievable how unconscious it is like because it's a statement and a commitment to yourself you know it's like having that that fluidity being that mirror to yourself and having that willingness to like literally let the wind carry you in life where you're meant to be what you're meant to experience like that's so beautiful so I really love everything that you just said and I, I love that you also have that undefined g-center because it just reflects that so well yeah I feel like language upholds so many constructs within our world and I think that's what's really beautiful for people who are bilingual or trilingual they understand that not everything can be translated into um, English for example there's a domination as English be of English being like the primary language but like even when I was researching and going into like uh, my ancestry because I'm Kenyan and Australian so I'm multi like I think what's really interesting about who I am even as it relates to like my G center is like I'm a third culture individuals so that just means that like it's a psychological term for somebody who grew up uh, during their major de developmental years overseas I've been an immigrant my whole life uh, like I'm Australian and I'm Kenyan I'm non-binary I'm mixed race like it's really like unity is just such a big part of who I am I couldn't be anything other than that expression but when I was going deeper into um, my Kenyan heritage being Kiguyu, in um, Kiguyu, there aren't gendered pronouns. And when I was discovering that, there was like this huge relief. And I also felt really emotional because I was like, of course, isn't, this isn't like the language um, that I've been given to express myself isn't the only language there is to express myself um so yeah like I think that there's a lot for everybody 
around exploring their gender, even for people who are cisgender, and for exploring pronouns as well. Um, I feel like the gender binary fails us all and can uphold these rigid um, ideals of who we should be, who we have to be, who we must be. And that doesn't feel good for anybody. Yeah, it's so true. I'm so grateful that you're here to literally initiate this change. <laughs> like you, like literally you sharing your story, the people listening to this episode, like it's going to shift them. Like they are going to see things differently, you know? So I really appreciate you sharing all of that. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I would love to, let's dive in a little bit more to your chart. Cause I love doing this mm. when I interview people, we talk about the chart and then actually we can, let's tie in because I love that you do human design and Akashic records. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I've combined modalities where I've, I've done human design and hypnosis. So the hypnosis that I create are literally based off of somebody's human design chart and like guiding them through whatever it is that they're dealing with from like literally their energetic imprint. So I would love if we can, if you want to use yourself as an example, like how, you know, you know, you can discover certain things about open or defined centers within the Akashic records. Like I obviously don't really know how it works, but I'm just going to invite mm-hmm. you to share like how you can share that to the listeners. Cause I think it's so fascinating and I've never heard it before. Yeah. So, um, it's really cool. So like with our open centers, we can take in a lot of conditioning, right? And what's awesome about the Akashic Records is that we can go into that conditioning and we can uncover like limiting belief systems and even past life experiences that need to be cleared. And that could be creating interference in our lives at this time. So like, even for me with an open G center, For example, there could be a limiting belief running that I need to become somebody that I'm not. And um, I have had past life experiences where I've gone into hiding around who I am. A lot of people recover like these, um, I mean, people in general, not necessarily in the Akashic Records, because what's cool about the Akashic Records is that you will only receive information that you're ready, willing, and able to hear. They're never going to push you beyond your capacity or your bandwidth. But I personally, and I've heard other people uncover traumatic um, timelines, experiences that they had where they weren't allowed to be who they were. When they were, when they did choose that, they had these... Um, they were exiled in some way. And I've uncovered that myself in my Akashic records around this um, process of exile. And that was really, it was so big for me when I discovered it because it was like that tip of the iceberg experience. I could realize in all of these ways how I had felt like an outsider in my life and also just being an immigrant and um being a multicultural person, I really do feel like a visitor in many ways to everywhere that I go. Um, so it just allowed me to soften and to forgive myself and to release something like this massive burden that I didn't even know that I was carrying. Um, I also think the Akashic Records because they communicate to us in a way that is in resonance with our soul. They can say things to us about our chart, about our divine blueprint that we would not know through reading a book 
or like listening to somebody else say it. Um, there's something about being in the energy of truth that uncovers so much. And that's also the fear that people have going into their records because it's like, what am I going to hear that I'm not ready to hear? What is my relationship with truth? Yes, this is so good. Last fall, I got into the Akashic Records. I read a book on the Akashic Records and then I started you know, meditating and just going in for myself. Like I've never read for anyone else. But it's really interesting because I haven't gone into them intentionally. I mean, I'm sure I've connected with source in some way without intentionally opening the records. But when I was going into them more in the fall and I was doing a lot of soul searching and a lot of, you know, inner work at that time, I noticed the different voices and the different flavors of energy that would come through. And it's really interesting. Like there's times where I would literally feel like there would, there was like an entire council or it would be like one person, or it would be like older souls informing me, like from just centuries past, like the way that I'm hearing them is like, not today's language, you know, Mm. and just feeling, yeah, it was just so interesting, you know, to, to go in and have like these different voices that I feel and hear in my body in the Akashic records. But like you said, like, it's, it just goes to the funny thing is like, you're talking about truth, right? Where it's like your connection to truth, like what is your relationship to truth? But then we have all of these different flavors of voices and energy that come to us through the Akashic records. And it's like, those are all different flavors of truth. Like they're like multiple truths can exist simultaneously. And I feel like as people, again, and it's funny because this totally ties into the identity thing too, where it's like, oh, there can only be one truth. Like this is it, this is that. If you know what I mean? There's no fluidity in that. So I'm curious, what's your experience? I kind of shared like, this is what it's like for me when I go into the Akashic Records and I'm like waving my hand on the right side of my body because like I feel them on the right side of my body. Mm. So I feel them on the right side of my body. And then whenever I connect, let's say directly with the spirit guide that I feel connected to, I feel them like up behind me, right? Mm. So that's usually, it's like the, the center of my body up and behind and right. Like that's where I feel like energy from. So I would love to hear for you what it's like the way you connect to spirit guides tap into the record that kind of thing oh yeah so for me I feel it all over my body and it's like everything looks different I would describe it as when presence is like alchemized or transformed into lucidity everything feels lucid to me and it really the energy emanates from my heart too it feels very heart-centered very loving I believe like my Akashic teachers speak to me in a way like for example they'll never tell me something more than once and that's funny right because that's a part of my spleen too I will not like if I want to play games (laughs) like not you know be like oh let me ask this thing again I'm not gonna hear the answer again they told me the answer so I do think that like being a splenic authority informs how I receive messages as like having that defined sense of intuition and it's a really it's a sensory experience um I'm very sensitive to sound um even in human design I'm like a high sound eater it's like really important to me to be listening to something so I receive a lot of messages like through clairvoyance, seeing, uh, clear audience hearing, clear sentience, like feeling it in my body. So it's a real, um, it's a sensory experience 
for me and they do as well um have their own unique voice like I feel like my Akashic because I've done over um 100 like 200 readings like everybody's keepers they speak differently (laughs) and they have their own sense of humor um and mine are they feel like elders they're like quite serious with me I feel I've like told my sister before because she's asked me as well she's like how does that work like how does it feel and I'm like it feels like I'm like this little kid that runs up all of these steps to my grandparents home that's so excited to talk to them about something and they're kind of like listen here you know let me tell you something in the most loving like elderly way possible and you're kind of like okay cool and then I bounce down the stairs and I go and like (laughs) experience my life so that's what it feels like to me that's so cool and I'm and I'm laughing because so do you do you consistently have this experience with them being elders and like that energy and that flavor yeah like that's pretty much how they've always spoken to me yeah so for me my spleen is undefined I have Mm. the 48 hanging off unconsciously and one of the things that I've learned through human design is that because I have an undefined the way that I connect with my intuition will come in many different ways like it's just going to be fluid right and so I'm curious if me having an I mean this is literally a speculation if anybody wants to like dm us after listening to the episode and tell us your thoughts I want to know I'm curious because my spleen is undefined that's why I experience so many different voices so many different energies and flavors Mm -hmm. of people whereas for you you have that energy grounded within you so you feel like you're connecting to the same flavor of elders you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so this is like we need more people to tell us because obviously it's biased with us just looking at our own charts. But when, as soon as you were sharing that, I was like, okay, like what's the difference in our chart? And the difference is like your spleen is consciously defined. You've got the two hanging gates off there too, but I only have one hanging and it's unconsciously, Mm -hmm. you know, undefined. So really, really interesting speculation. I just thought of yeah it's so cool I mean like it's like that for me in the Akashic Records but for example if I channel like the archangels or if I channel my galactic guides or if I channel like the earth elementals they have different voices totally different voices yes but is it like the same different voice do you know what I mean like if you're channeling yeah Okay. No, it's, it's like, it feels, it feels different. Like I'm always surprised at how the, like the angels communicate in such a loving way. For example, like my ancestors, they are very upfront with me. I've gone through experiences with them where I'm like trying to look, they're telling me to look for this like story um, that I need to listen to. And I'm like, this is so difficult. It's taking me so long. Why do you need to like provide me information and riddles? And I'm like, y'all have an attitude problem. And they're like, where do you think you get your attitude? They are like, they don't play with me. They speak in a very like human way to me. But like um, angelic frequency is super different to Akashic, to earth elemental. So like the words that they will use, like the tone, that totally changes. I love this. I bet you some of the listeners are probably like, oh my God, how do I tap into this? Like I want to be connected more to source. So I want to ask you, what what actually I guess okay this is kind of a two-part question how did you really get into you know your spirituality and connection with source and I say source I mean all the ethereal beings and things and what what have you repeatedly done to continue to strengthen that because I feel like that's going to be some of the questions that people are thinking of right now 
Mm, yeah, that's a great point. So I um, received an ancestral calling. So like my great grand, uh, grandmother, my mom's side was a medicine woman and she would give readings to like the community. So it is a part of my lineage. So when you receive an ancestral calling, um, it's something that you can't really turn away from. People speak about it in a variety of different uh, shamanic traditions. And if you do try to turn away from it, um, normally there'll be like an illness that will manifest um, that can't really be solved because it's a spiritual condition that needs to be resolved within yourself. So that's how it started for me. I heard my ancestors really loud and clear saying that this is something that I've been asked to do. And um, so I did my shamanic earth keeper training with uh, Sangoma, which is a South African shaman because I was in South Africa. Um, and then I, so I've always received a lot of dreams, like medicine dreams where I've like seen my indigenous ancestors. I also have Aborigine heritage um, and they've spoken to me in that way. And I had a dream about the, this big book that was the Akashic Records and that's how I ended up training and doing my certification process in that but basically what has helped me the most um, just like maintain my sense of connection to the divine is creating uh, that pathway that intentional pathway to communicate um, I think people feel like there's something wrong with them sometimes when you're starting in the beginning or like they're not intuitive. That's a big thing a lot of people feel. I don't think our sense, I don't think it has anything to do about like our intuitive abilities. I feel like we are all naturally receptive beings. When we're trying to bridge that to conscious receptivity, what we'll often need to explore is our relationship with safety and security. And what were we taught about receiving? And do we feel safe in the energy of receiving? How were we um, spoken to when we asked questions? Um, did the things that we wanted as a child, were they given to us? What were um, our unique relationship? How did that manifest with receiving when we were young? Um, especially for people who have experienced any kind of trauma there's multiple types of trauma um, safety and security is so so important and like practicing like consent with yourself too and like your body like am I pushing myself beyond my capacity am I listening to my body um, this really opens our relationship to receive consciously because actually we're unconsciously receiving all the time, every single one of us. But to bridge that over, um, we're gonna be asked to also deepen our relationship with safety. How does that feel in our body? Um, what forms of community can we rely on? Can we work with somebody who is trauma-informed, who has some sort of understanding around like trauma can also be really helpful, um, not only just relying on another kind of modality but could we also rely on therapeutic support body work somatic work to help us feel what's actually happening regulating our nervous system that is amazing that you just said that because I feel like you just emphasized 
how much spiritual bypassing actually happens when it comes to people wanting to connect with their intuition, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you want to connect to your intuition, just meditate longer, journal more, pull more cards, you know what I mean? But you're not actually looking at your relationship to receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like amazing. Everything you just said. And even, I think I unconsciously knew that because I've done a lot of work myself in terms of not judging the the voices or the things that I hear or the intuitive hits that I get but it, it's in order for me to not judge myself I had to have a relationship with myself where I could trust myself and and declare like I am worthy to trust my intuition what I receive from source or my intuition is valid like there was that relationship to my intuition Right. And I think literally the way that you just said it just brought this all into consciousness where it's like, I think, yeah, that's such a huge point. So like, just to summarize all of that, it's like to the listeners, if you feel like you're not connecting to your intuition, look at your relationship to receiving and security, because your intuition is about receiving. Mm -hmm. It's not about doing more. It's not Not about forcing the receive at all. Right. So I love, I love the way that you shared that. I think that was so brilliant. Mm, yeah thank you so much I feel like I wish I had that perspective especially when I first started um I was saying like on my Instagram stories the other day I was like I just wish somebody told me that I'm not a project that's here to be fixed that perfection is an illusion that I took that upon myself because of my wounded instinct to learn how to survive and it's okay to forgive myself for trying to be perfect Um, because again like we are always receiving but like our relationship with safety that's a different thing are you an environment where you feel safe that's going to impact your ability to connect consciously to your intuition yeah yeah I was when I was having the human design reading yesterday at the splenic projector they were just telling me about you know their difficulties with making intuitive decisions in heated situations. So let's say they're having an argument with someone and they're like, I just can't connect to my intuition. I was like, okay. And you have an undefined G center. So your spleen is also about your fear gates, right? It's your intuition as much as it is about your security and, and whatnot. So it's like your intuition will always tell you quietly and quickly but then your fear gates will will be activated because that's just the conditioning that we have right so he's like yeah I just can't you know I, I I just can't figure out how to like hear my my spleen and I'm like what you need to do is to walk away and change the environment that you're in and get out of an environment where somebody has their sacral or emotional solar plexus defined and you're picking that up because you're not actually going to be able to hear your spleen what matters is the environment that you're in right and so because I said if you think about it we don't make logical, even like logic, like we don't make logical decisions when we're stressed out, when we are in a fight or flight mode, when we're in danger, it's literally just quick. What is the quickest way I can survive, even though that may not be sustainable, right? So I think that's really huge. People are like, well, I want to connect to my intuition or you want to be better at being connected to your authority. It's like, you need to remove yourself from the environments that are not allowing you to connect because you can't force Mm -hmm. that connection. It's a natural connection. You can't force natural. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not so easy, right? Like sometimes we don't have the resources to get ourselves out of that environment, but 
looking for support within your community or like online support where you can go to space and feel safe that can that can be something that you can do if you are in an environment that's not safe and like with the spleen being defined right so like most undefined splenic people like they can really pick up on like other people's spheres they're like the medical intuitives but like with my defined spleen I've noticed that I do have like um I've really had to address my relationship with fear and I see like a lot of people get afraid also just like thinking about going into the Akashic records too and like your spleen when it's defined it's just trying to keep you safe it's like what will keep you alive that's all it cares about um and it doesn't have any understanding of like time so the like 30 minutes from now it could change its decision and that feels good to lean into as well um and knowing like you could always get right back to that and maybe a conversation that doesn't feel like it can happen is not healthy for you in that moment but this could you could revisit it and then it could feel healthier for you because the spleen is just like I'm I'm just trying to keep you alive (laughs) yeah oh yeah and it's like there's nothing wrong with that too right coming back into the conversation of like having compassion and like forgiving yourself and allowing yourself to be human and to be fluid in your life experiences right I think that's so important because I notice when people first find human design in particular it's like oh my god it's a system I'm gonna learn everything about the system and then I'm gonna like do the system but we need to be weary that if we look at there's a lot of systems in the 3d world that actually cause a lot of repression right Mm -hmm. and marginalization right so it's really like paying attention to how can you be fluid with that system that will allow you to thrive and you're going to know that you're thriving because it's going to feel good you're going to feel your signature right it's going Mm -hmm. to feel safe it's going to feel satisfying surprising peaceful like all the things right Mm -hmm. so I think that I think that that's really important so I love I love what you said about that because there's there's nothing wrong with fear like fear is my motivation and so I'm motivated by fear and my boyfriend is a splenic projector and like I amplify his fear when he's stressed out. Right. So it's like, it's just, it's just, it, I just allow it. I'm like, okay, you disagree with, you're trying to make a decision for me based off your spleen, but I'm in my situation. I'm going to decide with my sacral, my sacral mm. logic in quotations will not make sense to your spleen because it's probably going to be riskier. And the spleen is like, so many red flags what are you doing Kayla right so it's just yeah it's it's really just giving that space you know to breathe and just be human yeah and I think discernment is also key there's different types of fears that we can have there's rational fears and there's irrational fears um and holding again always compassion and care for yourself for adopting a particular belief we are so intelligent our body is so intelligent our subconscious is so intelligent it's not about making yourself wrong it's so easy for us um to just like berate ourselves for what kept us alive (laughs) it's like no you're really smart your body's like really smart and capable and that was what you needed then but when we start to experience like interference or resistance in our lives that's a signal that like something can change here and what I dig about human design is that it's an experiment if it's not a vibe for you that's cool like I've read um you know like the definitive book of human design by Ra like Ra speaks in a wild way 
whoa, like, let's not even, <laughs> I also really love the gene keys because they feel like the gene keys are this gorgeous expression of what human design is communicating, but in a different like octave in a different frequency. And I feel like it's so important again to feel like you can tune in to your knowingness and not make it about, because if I had to make it about raw, I probably wouldn't have like dived down human design as much as I have because he was really ruffling um, feathers, like the way he communicates, even in the books, like I'm just like, oh, I don't know about raw. But like at the same time, there are moments and obviously like something spoke through him. So I think like that compassionate detachment is important when you're exploring human design too. And like whoever you're listening to, whoever you're listening to um, and not necessarily because we all have our own way of expressing something that's unique to us. And that's so cool. And like people can do that too. And they can be like, I really like that. You know, maybe I could reframe that, like make it your own because it's your experiment. Nobody's making you do anything, but just check it out and see how it goes for you. Yes. I love this. I've actually, I haven't consumed really, like I have that book that you're talking about and I've read a yeah. couple things, but I haven't actually consumed very much from Ra himself. Mm. And there's just times where people, they'll post certain quotes and things and I don't fully agree with it. And I'm like, I feel like this is really limiting, which is kind of mm. ironic because it's coming from the source of human design, you know? So that just goes to show like, we really just have to take what resonates and leave what doesn't. And there's right for you and there's right for me. You know, there's not, there's no one size fits all like that's how problems start in the world right is when we try to do that so I think that I really love what you said that compassionate detachment I think is like a great line that you said so yeah yes mm. I would love to let's dive in a little bit more to I feel like one of the common things with manifestors is like deconditioning the sacral center because obviously mm. majority of the population has a sacral defined one of the biggest things that I say is you know, sacral beings. And this like irks me, even though I'm a sacral generator is like, you kind of put sacral beings on a pedestal. And I'm like, okay, we don't have endless energy. Like, it's not, it's not like we can just run forever. Like I only have two centers to find. Like I could have, I have a friend who's a projector. She has all, she has eight centers to find. So everything, <laughs> but her sacral. And I'm like, girl, you probably have more energy than I do. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, let's just stop with the stereotypes. But the thing is, what I see is like, why it matters that we all do our own work is because let's say if I'm in alignment, and I'm honoring my sacral energy, you're going to pick that up, you're going to pick it up in mm. a healthy way. If I'm over here grinding in my business, doing all the things I'm exhausted, and I'm doing things out of the satisfaction of my root center to alleviate pressure, then that's the energy that non-sacral beings are going to pick up, right? So I feel like still like, from a bird's eye view, like as a six line, seeing it, like as a whole, there's still a lot of conditioning in the world, like from a corporate lens, like colonization and all of that too, of like having to do a lot of things to get what it is that you want. Right. So mm -hmm. I would love to hear your experience of like deconditioning the sacral center and even the root center. I also have it undefined. And that's like, that's been a big spot for me. And also your, your undefined, well, I guess you have an undefined head and an emotional solar plexus. So you also have a lot of openness in your chart as well. Mm -hmm, I do. It, that's such a great question. I'm like, you know, I, I think uh, manifestors out of the, 
the other like non-sacral types like projectors and reflectors can really with their sheer willpower push themselves <laughs> into a health crisis like speaking here as somebody who's done that because like the again the that will of like I can do this I mean like my heart center is defined so that's like the motor center that I have that's defined um and yeah I def I was a workaholic I got really sick so I had a really um, intense wake up call about how I was working and like most uh, defined spleen people, like we have pretty good health systems. We, we've probably ignored all the red flags that came to alert us that something was going wrong. So that's what happened to me. And it really, wow, it like totally changed my life. And I had to step back even till today. I do have different um, like chronic illnesses as well. So I had to really step back um, and check, check in with my body. This is why like somatic work has been so profound for me um, and deepening that relationship of listening with my body as it relates to my sacral, like my partner, their uh, MG. So I definitely take in their energy and amplify it. And I have to be really aware of when I'm doing that um and really just give myself that permission slip to rest and to be like you can step back you don't need to go beyond what you can do because when I do rest and I think this can also be really helpful for people who are manifestors or like non-sacral beings you'll actually see that like what you plan to do, what you would normally do, you'll do way more efficiently because you have, you're like filled up. You're arriving with your fullness <laughs> to the task. So it's not going to feel so draining. So I would also notice like, well, when I'm really tired, it's taking me a lot longer to do this like simple task. And I'm so much um, more of who I am when I just take a step back and I rest and then I come and do what I need to. So yeah, I think it's a constant thing. And I don't also like the way people speak about generators and like MGs being like these like batteries for humanity, because that's, first of all, that's whack. <laughs> like everybody is a human being. And this is the cool thing about projectors, right? And offering us that guidance. I feel like they are really setting the tone to let us know that everybody needs to rest in some way um like that's the new consciousness wave it's not overworking no way yes i i agree with everything that you said and it's true that whole thing around you know there's this i i hear this this little sort of i guess not i guess it's kind of a rumor just what people what mm -hmm. the common thing i hear people say of like everyone wants to be a manifesting generator because then you get to initiate and you get to respond you get to have all this energy right but <laughs> every person has their gifts and it's so interesting like whenever i do human design readings and we look at their chart people know like when I read their chart and I'm sure you get this too, they're like, oh yeah. Like they just, they just agree with everything. They already knew these things, but now it's like, I literally have it on a computer screen and I can prove it to them. So their brain is like, Ooh, okay. Now I can believe this. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's, it's all within you. And it's, it's things don't feel good in life because we're trying to force ourselves to do them a certain way. That's actually not how we're designed to do them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love too, is I'll have people ask like, 
you know, Kayla looking at my chart, like, what do you think would be good as a profession and whatever? And I was like, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's just how you're going to do it is going to be different than how I would do it, how Mm so-and-so would do it, how that person would do it. Like, that's the point, right? But we're so stuck in thinking I have to be a certain way, do a certain thing, do a certain amount of things to get a certain thing. Like, it's just so much doing, right? So I really love it. I do see it in the collective, this unfolding of what it means to rest and being more intentional, you know, even just in the corporate world, four day work weeks, being Mm. able to work from home, like, hello, that's probably one of the reasons why intuitively we had a freaking pandemic was to like, get people to slow the fuck down because the way that we were being was not sustainable at all. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're looking at sustainability on like a global scale at many different um, like factors. Um, from body to our environment and what's happening with climate crisis. So I think sustainability is so um, pertinent to this journey, even with like human design and not being like, I'm going to get all the things right. Because I feel like, and I'm guilty of it too, you know? Like when I first found out, I was like, I just want to know like everything about what this is saying about myself and not letting it be a practical experience but rather just another thing that I could learn about um and it really comes alive when you put it into practice um and now it just resonates more like I know my channel's more like I have a freak to genius channel from my ajna to my throat and I feel that so deeply and that was so affirming for me when I found out but like right in the beginning, I was just like, I don't have been what? But like now later down the line, as I've been living my design and choosing to decondition and inform and initiate, I'm like, wow, it's like everything starts to come alive around you in a different way. Yeah, there's such a difference of getting information and then living it. Like I literally knew almost nothing about human design until March last year. I've only Mm. been studying this for like a year. But the thing is, like I went into a 10 month intensive like coaching certification program. And I I was literally studying every night till 1030 o'clock at night, like a good old generator, (laughs) just going like so deep into it. But the thing is, I didn't really start embodying it until probably November. So Mm. despite having all this information, being surrounded by all the human design people, all the things, it didn't actually click until later. And I think that that's something that people need to know is that there isn't really, you know, it's not not like things to do. It's a development and expansion of your awareness of how you're showing up. Mm. Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah, and I noticed that people, people who are, so again, just circling back to that conversation around intuition, people who have been practicing the openness of their intuition, they will resonate more with their human design. Mm-hmm. I notice when people come to the conversations and they don't know much about human design. And I've actually seen the, the 4323, the genius freak structuring channel. I've seen it a lot yeah. lately. Like a lot of the conversations I'm having Ooh. are with 4323 and it's in the North and South node right now too. So it's like, everyone has it activated. But the point is I've like told, let's say beginners, like this channel is very interesting, right? It's a very like Ajna energy, like really, really knowing things like beyond your time and then speaking them into existence through the 23 Mm -hmm. at the right time, but in a way that people can understand it. If you Mm -hmm. say that to someone who hasn't really been practicing connecting with their intuition, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) 
So embodiment will prevail any level of information. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's so true. And that's a projected channel. And that was also really cool for me to find out too. Like as somebody who would try to talk about some wild stuff to, to people that didn't want to hear it, like <laughs> good to be like, oh, okay, okay. Like yes. it is, That's, I need to be invited. Yes. See, that way. I literally, I have also been talking more about this, how in the body graph, we have three different flavors of channels. There's projected, yeah. generated, manifested. So you have mm-hmm. two, well, you have the hanging gate off of 35 and then you have the 45, 21. Those are manifested energy. So there's a lot of like initiating. I have the 36, which is also a manifested channel. It's hanging gate on, on my chart, but mm-hmm. I noticed that I initiate and I share about turbulence, conflict, um, turbulence, humanity, and compassion. The six is my conflict gate. Anyway, so mm-hmm. I share, I initiate things about this. Like I notice that energy, but then looking at you, like you have generated channels, obviously coming off the Seiko, but they're all, most of them are unconscious, right? Yes. But then you have mostly conscious projected channels. So it's like, and yeah. actually I can just tell by your connections too. If you looked at your chart consciously versus unconsciously, unconsciously you have a reflector side. So I don't know if you knew that, but yeah. it's, yeah. So I'm curious for you, it's like you, you would be a splenic projector consciously quantum. You are a splenic manifester and then unconsciously you're a reflector. So you have three types. So I'm mm. actually curious if you, how you played with this. Cause it sounds like you've realized this already. Oh, that's so fun. I definitely. So like my mercury in astrology is in the sign of cancer and it's in the eighth house. So I have always had this massive relationship with the moon and being more of a, like a watery Leo because I am a Leo sun, but I'm like, I don't communicate like that. Like I will, you're going to hurt my feelings. Like don't talk to me that way. So <laughs> that reflector energy with the lunar authority really resonates with me. And it's so fun what you were saying about like the projector too, because like I, so I have this whole thing about questions. I'm like really into, it's so hilarious. It's such, it's a big part of my writing. I'm just obsessed with questions and like the questions that we don't ask and how that reveals more than the answers that we are seeking outside of ourselves. And I will always be inviting people through questions. I'm like, I invite you. I've like, it's such a big part of my writing. So I totally see that. That's so, that's so cool. And I do that too. Actually, I notice that, I mean, I have like, so my seven, one and 13 are both consciously and consciously undefined coming off the G center. And those are all projected channels. So it's like, mm-hmm. there's like six potential places for activation around projected energy. And so I noticed that I will invite people I'm like, Oh, I invite you to try this on, to think about this, to contemplate this, to do this. Like I will just invite, cause I'm like, still giving something to the generators to respond to. I'm inviting the projectors. The reflectors are going to do it when they're ready. And then manifestors and probably going to have something new to say about it, you know? So that's <laughs> just, that's just, yeah, I totally resonate with that. But I love this because again, this ties back into what we said earlier in our conversation around having fluidity around your identity. You're not just a manifester. You're a manifester and you have a projector side and a reflector side. And then whatever the transits are activating, you know, most of the time, you, very likely you're going to be a manifesting generator, like in transits, because you have hanging gates off your sacral. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm. just, we can't just say we're one thing. Mm. Yeah, that is just so 
empowering and I'm sure like so many people are just like yay I needed to hear that because really it can it feels stifling <laughs> like this is the only expression of myself that I'm allowed to be even like with the channels it was really cool for me to like learn about like uh there are collective channels like individual channels tribal channels because I really see that with like the channel of structuring um like how that is like so concerned with like the individual and like that insight that's realized in the moment yeah I've also yeah the circuitry and learning about that something that I'm still diving into but I just I love like there's so many layers in human design I remember it was so overwhelmed when I when I first learned but that's the part that you dive into and then you contemplate it right and I say I say the word contemplate a lot because that's what the gene keys taught me so you Mm, talked about the fluidity and the way that you talked about the gene keys too I loved it you were just saying how it's like it's an expression of the consciousness of human design or you said something like this and I was like like on on another octave yeah yes yeah like the way that you said that was so perfect and I bet you that was like your 56 that storytelling (laughs) of you just being like I'm just gonna say this in the most poetic way possible like yes that makes so much sense Uh, oh my gosh yeah the 56 was so weird for me when I found out about it too because it's also like the channel of distraction um like the gate of distraction and like how you can distract other people and you entice people with like this interesting conversation and it but it also really helped me like lean into the wanderer side of me as somebody who's like lived in different countries and who's like an immigrant and been to different places I see that kind of like that image of that person like that nomadic person that's like traveling around and you invite them in and they have all of these like stories to tell you about these different places and different people so that was actually really empowering for me after I like because the distraction energy when I read about it um in the gene keys it was saying like these are the kind of people that like they'll use words but there's like a hidden energy that's being transmitted beyond the word so that the medicine can be received and I really feel that with like my poetry I'm like oh my gosh like that's what's happening <laughs> so that's really fun that's so cool and it's your conscious son too which is amazing and one of the things that I've said when I've read that gate for example for someone in their chart it's like distraction is like if you think about it you can't you can't tell a story when you're distracted like you're mm. talking about distracting others right but it's like if you're distracted your story isn't going to be clear it's not going to land right and then reaching for the 11 like that gate is just you know, the gate of light and just clarity and, you know, being able to take obscurity and alchemize that into idealism and bringing light to situations like you have to not be distracted in order to really transmute that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I think it's so cool. And I love that you're a manifester with that gate as your conscious son, because I feel like that just gives like an extra potency to your voice right Mm -hmm. so I was like observing that I was like I can see this and just the way that you were sharing and speaking today was like so beautiful thank you so much I also really am so because I know we're both six twos and I was so excited to speak about that and just like it was really enlightening for me when I found out like so the second line and the fifth line both have projection fields and like this idea of like this the two line just being great at things and not being able to describe how they are just like this natural giftedness 
And I don't know, I'm just like so keen to hear how like that shows up for you, like with your second line and how like people respond to you around that. Because I felt sometimes like a pressure to convey like what it just feels so easy. And I just don't even know how to like, I can't make sense of it. Yeah, I I totally get 100% what you're saying. I feel like the shadow side of it. So the two line, just in case people don't know, the two line is really this naturalness, like this bit of a, you hear the hermit energy too, but it's because Mm -hmm. like we're, we're hermiting to consume information and it just naturally sticks to us. Like that's what Mm -hmm. it is. Right. But Mm -hmm. when something is so natural, it seems like it's not a big deal. So there can be the shadow side of like not being able to see ourselves. And there's a bit of a projector vibe with needing to be invited to share that wisdom. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I noticed for the two line is I actually recently was hired in someone's company to do copywriting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're a human design coach. They're like, Kayla, I want to hire you as a copywriter. And I was like, that's hilarious. I have a completely open throat. But then I could see my two line because then I get in there and I'm like writing content for their posts and their podcasts. And I'm like, how is this like coming out of me? Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. And like the people on the team are like, Kayla, like, you're so good at this. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I like, I literally am like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's just literally coming out of me. Like I can see the words. I can take this and that, put it together. But I think it's also, I think it also has to do with my open throat. Like the shadow side of having an open throat is like wanting to be seen and heard. Right. And so I think it also, because I'm in such alignment with it is that I am very fluid the way that I express myself and I can reflect things back to people and I can just reflect other people's voices. And so I was like, okay, this totally makes sense. Like you'd think, I'm not saying that if you have the defined throat, you can't be a copywriter, but it's like when you like, usually the open undefined centers are the ones left in a more disempowering context, right? Cause there's like, oh, you're, you're more susceptible to conditioning. Right. So I feel like the two line really ties into that. Cause it's like, the two line wants to be seen. I want to be called out. I want to be invited to share, right? There's that projector vibe and then having the open throat, but being aligned with it. It's like, I feel like I amplify the two line through having an open throat. So mm. that's my experience. So I'm curious how it, feel, how it feels for you because you're a manifester with a very defined throat. Oh yeah. And a defined Ajna. But my, I think what's so funny about that is that like, I have this defined Ajna and defined throat. So it can sound like, I have a particular perspective of viewing things, but I'm actually also still quite fluid because of my open G center. And that's what's interesting for me. Um, So I think I've always been intrigued about like how opinions become identities because I'm like, I've got opinions, but I don't know if that's like, (laughs) I don't feel like that's my, what I, like, that's my identity. I've always like brought awareness to gently unraveling ourselves away from our beliefs and seeing like where we end and they begin and not overly identifying with them um and yeah I definitely feel that with like the two waiting for the right call and the hermit energy I'm quite like I feel quite introverted um So, and just like needing rest and alone time. I think it's just been so interesting for me because I've had experiences like that too. It's like, you're just so good at this. And I'm like, 
am I? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like, like the are, two are is sure? unaware. Yeah, like they can't see themselves. So it does, it really does help to have people that can encourage you and to be like, hey, I see you and you are really good at this thing. I have felt like some pressure around it at times, especially because um, of uh, like all of the collective messaging around intuition and uh, creating this laid out path to experiencing your intuition. Um, and also like the spiritual conditioning of like, I need to go to somebody else and externalize my authority in order to access my own knowingness. And I don't feel that way, but like people will come to me and put me because we're in a power, I mean, it's a power dynamic, you're a facilitator and you're holding the space for them. So if you're not consciously aware of that power dynamic, it can be, you're just like unconsciously perpetuating this externalization of authority. And I've had people put me on that pedestal and I've always had to like even out the playing ground again in the balance and being like, you're doing this. You're the person who paid for the session. You're the person who showed up. You're the person who decided to go deeper. It's your choice. And that is the most powerful thing. Um, so I think I felt like some pressure around it just in terms of the rhetoric around intuition and guidance and knowingness and like a lot of people benefiting from like oh yeah you can only access this through speaking to me and I'm like that's not true <laughs> oh yeah oh my god that's like a whole other can of worms when we start talking about I actually did a, a podcast episode I can't remember the number of it right now but if people want to scroll through it's called something like conditional confidence based off of the shadows of your undefined centers mm. and how I, I call it conditional confidence as a synonym to codependency, because I feel like codependency has a stigma, but when we talk about conditional confidence, like literally what you just said, so it'd be like me coming to you because the way that you access your intuition through your spleen, I have an undefined spleen. So I'd come to you and I'd be like, oh, I feel like I can you know, access my intuition when I'm with Vanessa, but when I'm not, then I can't. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like, that's a conditional confidence, but that's also codependency. Right. So that's something that I really love expressing mm. to people. Oh my goodness. That is so cool. And I feel like everybody needs to listen to that episode. Yes. I'll share it with you after, and I'll put it in the show notes for the listeners so that they can find it. Cause it is, it is a really, it is a really good episode because it really paints a picture to business owners when they hire coaches why they start copywriting like them, why they start pricing their services the same way, why they start thinking, oh, if they hit five, six figures in this timeline, I'm going to do that. You're picking up the pressure of their defined heart center, their root center. You know, mm -hmm. it's just you're picking this up when you're in their energy field, but just knowing that you can boil that energy. But then when you go and do your own thing, you want to be in your own energy, right? So yeah, love that topic. It's really fun. Mm, that's so cool and are you like on the roof now are you climbing on the roof are you in your Saturn routine? yeah I'm 32 32 mm. so I'm I'm on the roof yeah so now that's I feel like so I'm cool. like watching the things as they say oh my gosh yeah that's so cool mm. yeah definitely a lot of trial and error that first that first phase was like big time trial and error up until the age of like 28 29 and then it really distinctly at like it was January, 2019, my birthday's in March and January, 2019 is when I started my business. So it was like right then 
and that I was like so grounded in what I was doing. So yeah, it was very distinct for me. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Because I feel like everybody describes it really differently. I'm experiencing my Saturn return right now. So I see myself as like climbing on the roof. And you know, like I'm like reaching for a particular brick and then it's sand and I like lose my grasp. That's what it feels like to me. It's like this tactile experience of I am having that vantage perspective, but I've also heard some people like speak about like how some six twos don't even feel like they're on the roof like five years into being on the roof and stuff and I was like whoa that is wild because I feel like that has to relate to like deconditioning or something because the energy I'm really feeling like I don't have that spunk (laughs) like the third line um and just kind of more withdrawn yeah I do feel more of a hermit energy for sure. When I did the, I think it's the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, whatever, I went from an ENFJ, like extrovert to INFJ, like literally right near my Saturn return. And I was like, this system can't tell me why that happened, but I can tell you from a human design lens that it happened because I'm on the roof, right? So it's just like really interesting to look at it from that lens. Mm, Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I absolutely loved our conversation today there were so many amazing things that we dove into and I'm really excited to share this with everyone obviously you're listening to it right now if you're (laughs) you hear me saying this but I I just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing so graciously and I think it was such a blue beautiful fluid I almost said fluid beautiful and fluid (laughs) conversation so before I wrap things up I would love if you can share with our audience where they can connect with you in the online space yeah, so um, you connect. You can connect with me on Instagram. My account is a wave of light, and my website is um, also www.awaveoflight.com. And you can email me too at hello at awaveoflight.com. So good, I love it. So many waves of light. So yeah, good. That's the vibe. <laughs> yes. So I would love. I always ask this to the people that I interview. If just intuitively and it's so good because you're a splenic authority what is the last sort of little message of intuitive guidance that you want to leave with our audience today before we wrap up our conversation yeah so I've been feeling a lot of energy around the heart center coming in so for anyone wherever they may be uh, on their journey with um, deepening their heart awakening I would just like ask how can you explore your relationship with love, with loving, um, with receiving love, with giving love, and how can you see that love through a new light? Love that. Literally, Mm -hmm. I love that. It's so beautiful. (laughs) And I feel like this is something that I really loved from our conversation. I've lately, I'm interviewing manifestors, like it's just manifested. Well, <laughs> unintended. I've been mani- manifesting manifestors to interview on my channel. And it's really been beautiful because there has been the stigma around like this intense re- repelling aura energy. But the mm. manifestors that I'm interviewing, I'm not surprised. There's a real softening happening, which I think is so beautiful. It's such a balance of like the masculine and feminine energy, like the yin and yang energy. Yes, exactly. That's so, I love that because that just speaks to also manifestors having compassion for themselves. Yes. Yes. So good. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again for coming on. 
And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Make sure that you give Vanessa a follow. And also, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. If you share the episode, tag us. Share what you got out of it because I feel like we just talked about so many amazing things. It was very magical. So thank you so much for listening. And I'll chat with you in the next episode. Thank you.